Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That is a true, a truism. It's true, people. Yes, indeed. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find it up. My interview with Richard Powers is up there now. The Pulitzer Prize winning novelist got a new book out and it was a great conversation. Very nice guy. Uh, very good. Very thoughtful guy. You can check that out at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Um, you know, we've been our last two conferences were virtual. I think the next one, assuming there isn't some new uh, horrible variant coming our way again, uh, I think will be live. But we're always going to do, I think, some virtual aspect of it. So no matter where you are, you know, you can join the fun. Yes, you can. You can do it via Zoom. And we'd love to see you. So uh, check it out. Learn more at pnwa.org. Speaking of Zoom, I oh, I want to thank the good people at the Willamette Writers uh, Association. They had me uh on their virtual meeting last night and i spoke to a whole bunch of people about fearless marketing it was a great group a very warm group uh such a pleasure i love the people at the willamette writers so thank you all thank you all very much and uh, i will be uh i don't know if you're probably maybe a member of the skagit valley writers i'm going to be talking uh this thursday about why everyone has what it takes so if you're part of that organization well i look forward to seeing you then Again, that'll be Zoom. We'll be doing it virtual for the time being, for the time being. Yes, indeed. So, all right. Well, today we've got ourselves someone who came to the world of fiction by way of academia. Maria Morotti is a retired academic and author of several essays and books of literary criticism. But more recently, she has published two books in the Detective Captain Fusco mystery series, A Question of Class, which is her most recent, and The Etruscan Princess. Maria is at work on the third volume in the series, and she also writes animal paranormal stories. Yes, we'll have to ask her about that. We've got her with her with us today. Maria, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. As I said before, I fell, broke my nose, but other than that, everything is sound. Everything is sound. Good. So yeah, you don't <laughs> you don't you don't sound like someone with a broken nose. You don't you don't have a. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's it's affected your your speech your your it doesn't make you you don't have a, you don't have like a stuffed nose how do you do you are you breathing normally <laughs> uh pretty much normally yeah not completely but not bad i i all right i yeah i get enough oxygen i'm good <laughs> good all right good well i'm glad i'm you know i'm glad that you're doing this show even though you're injured uh, we appreciate it. Uh, I hope you mend completely soon. Uh, but so let's see. So you you obviously uh, you were not born in this country. You were uh, you no. you wrote about um, Italian literature. Were, was your work academic work done in Italy or was it done in the U.S.? Both. Um, Both. I well, I didn't. I studied up to my BA and a few other things in Italy. Then I got a scholarship, a Fulbright scholarship. I moved to the States where I completed a 
an MA and a PhD. And then I taught, um, I went back and taught in Italy for quite a while. Then I came back here, taught here too. So University of California, mainly Santa okay. Barbara and, and um, Santa Cruz for a year. So I see. So, uh, yeah. and so you were inter- you, and your, and you, your specialty was Italian literature. Is that fair to say, or is that just some of the stuff no, you wrote about? No, actually, yeah, no. Um, my first specialty was in American literature and I'm a Mark Twain scholar, actually. Oh, really? I, I, yeah. So I published a book. Yes. And several essays besides my book. And um, that went all well, but then I I was living, when I moved to the States, and I moved um, especially because I was married to an American mathematician, oh. I had a very hard time finding a, a job, and uh, um, there was some offering in Italian literature uh, here in Santa Barbara, so I took it and stopped the oh. interviews. And and I, so for quite a while, I, I actually developed some expertise and um, not only in language, which is of course uh, a given, but also in, uh, in uh, um, literature, especially women's studies and film. That's what I, where I worked most of the time, the last, the last years of my academic career. What drew you to uh, Mark Twain? What made, why, why, what, you know, what, what got you interested in his work initially? Well, when I wrote my uh, thesis for my BA in Italy, um, uh, it, one thing that was happening at the time was that they were publishing his uh, posthumously published work. And so right. it, was, it was something that nobody had written about. So my professor at the time at the University of Venice suggested I, um, I had a look at it and I said, yeah, I could write about this. I could do some research. And so that, then it expanded enormously uh, <laughs> from there. Yeah. Because then and I, so, you know, you married an American, it. you married an American mathematician. Did I hear you say? Yeah. All right. So you're, you're a liberal artist. You're, you're, you study literature, you've gone into write fiction, but you married a mathematician. How did that work out? How is the, what is the relationship, what is, is the, is the, is the mind of a mathematician very compatible with the mind of a lover of literature? What do you think about that combination? It must have been good enough that you married him, but what's that like? Yeah, no, no, it was, it was a good marriage. Unfortunately, my husband passed away 10 years ago, Ah. but uh, yeah, it was, it was a good marriage and um, the minds are different, very different. Yeah. And, and even the. So now it's a little different, but you know, difference is okay. Leave the difference yeah. is the French. <laughs> yeah, right. So all right. Well, so here, what is it? Are, is there any difference in your mind between the, the academic life in the U.S. and the academic life in Italy? Are they similar? Is it very different? What do you think? I think there are some differences. Um, the, the system, the Italian system, even though it's, it's not particularly good, there are problems with that. It's a, yeah. and just, there are the, the, the jobs openings are basically decided um, outside any uh, tests and checks and, and balances. I mean, it's oh. a little oh. bit that way. But it's much more open in terms of where you can get. There are no uh, glass ceiling 
so oh. um, strong, you cannot go from lecture up to a ladder academic. No, not such a thing. You, you can keep on going. Um, so basically your work. Here, right. what I found out, if you enter as a lecturer, because that's the only opening there is at the time, um, you, you are stigmatized and you don't go anywhere else. Really? No matter right? what you do. No matter what you do. Yeah. You can wow. publish books, you can publish articles, but once you're there, because see, your merits are never evaluated based on that, on what you've done. It's only based on your teaching, and, it's, and, and that's what they want from you. And if you do more, it's your own, at your own risk, basically. Interesting. It's your problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's, all right. Well, it's a, that's it's not something right. that nobody talks about. Nobody I've talks never heard about any, that. I've never heard anyone yeah, talk about it. You're the nerd. Yeah. yeah no, that's the, that's the problem. Yeah. So, so my I first mean, book, A Question of Class, was exactly about that. It's obviously a story, but there is a kind of relentless theme, as one of my readers pointed out. And the relentless theme is injustice of the system. You know, yeah. it's crazy. It's a crazy system. In the so you, so you, it sounds like maybe you liked teaching, but you were frustrated with the academic system in, in which you were at force, which you had to teach. Is that fair? Fair. Totally. Yeah. And I like research and I like writing. And then as I do now, um, I like to write about literary criticism and all, yeah. um, but I, but still, you know, um, ultimately it was exhausting, and I realized that, you know, I'm better taking early retirement at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and once my husband well, retired, I said, well, maybe yeah, let's travel and have a good time for a little right. while, and then see what else we can do. Yeah. And so. so anyway. um, I've I, I I've known some academics. I mean, I've known a bunch of people who went from academia to academic writing to fiction writing. I've worked with some clients who are PhD uh, candidates. And academic writing, obviously, it's writing. Uh, it takes interest, but it's different than I don't want to call academic writing. I don't want to say it's not creative, but it has I think more. Well, maybe I'm, you tell me. I, I haven't done academic writing since I was in college a long time ago. Uh, it seems like there's more sure. um, parameters uh, or perimeters they put on the writing in terms of it's a, it's a narrower expectation for how you can write it, whereas with fiction, it's a little more wide open. Is that is that fair? Well, the writing per se, it's not restricted. You can uh, write and experiment with style very well in academic mm. writing. But, and, and it is actually advisable because otherwise people are going to fall asleep bored. But, right. um, it, but there is more to it. Um, it's a very, uh, more and more so a less brain activity. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, whereas the uh, fictional writing, of course, there's got to be some less brain, otherwise you wouldn't right. function. But, <laughs> but there is a, a huge amount of right brain, a creativity into yeah. it. And that. Uh, so there are some differences there on what you're using of yourself, you know. And yeah. I, I think it came to me through a transformation when I first started, started learning how to draw and draw with the right, with the right side of the brain. I realized mm-hmm. that there was a no other part of me 
wow. <laughs> that I never used before. So I got really fascinated with that. And it, it brought many other layers in my life. I learned how to do hypnosis, how to ask people stuff addictions, you know, things like that. And, oh. But in order to do that, you really have to liberate a part of your brain. Yeah. And then from there, I started writing fiction, you know. Because Interesting. That, when was it, this? When did yeah. you start learning to draw from the right side of your brain? When did, when did that happen? That's about 20 years ago, I would say. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah I friend so, is kind of told me to yeah. do that. And I, <laughs> I didn't want to hear it, but then eventually I said, okay, shut up, I'll do it. Oh. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, the, and once I started, I so, said, wow, this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an okay. interesting thing. It's like the right side of your brain is doing stuff. You know, that, that intuitive side, that, you know, that sort of yes. uh, receptive intuitive. It's always operative, but it's a question of whether you're going to mm-hmm. work with it consciously or not. And it just it opens something uh-huh. up when you do it. So that's interesting. So that right. kind of opened up a whole new side of yourself, which led you eventually yes. to writing fiction. And so, so, was, uh, the, so a question of class was the first of the series or was the Etruscan? I thought, so the question of class was no, the first or second. Question of Class was the first one, okay. and I wrote it 15 years ago. It was published oh. by a smaller publisher who went, uh, um, you know, bankrupt eventually. Right, right. And, uh, and, uh, but anyway, I didn't worry about that. I had other problems in my life at the time. And right. uh, uh, in any case, the contract was finished. But the new people that bought, you know, bought this failed publishing company, they uh, put it on Amazon, and I never got any uh, royalties no. or any no. request for permission to do anything. I was wow. just like, I, all of a sudden, I saw my book there, and they were trying to sell it for an exorbitant price. And I right. was like, what the hell is going on here? So I called <laughs> Amazon recently, and I said, excuse me, but I would like to republish, but I can't because they're there. And right, I said, well, right. we, cannot, we cannot deal with the infringement oh you, yeah. you don't no we don't i insist in no way eventually i found an employee there who was a nice person and he uh, said don't worry about it just publish it oh okay <laughs> and see what happens so i did oh okay <laughs> so so you published a question of class 16 years ago and now you're re-releasing it and so the etruscan princess yeah. that was just it's that's your most two. recent so so 16 years yeah. between the first in the mm-hmm. series and the second uh, you just yeah. got really busy and couldn't get back to the fiction. Well, yeah. Well, in those years, I did a lot of other stuff. No, I, I wrote animal stuff, and right. and then I, I wrote The uh, um, and Princess, and then, you know, life also interfered. My husband died. I had to learn how to live alone, and, you know, it, right. it, it, was, it was complicated. What was it <laughs> like coming back to write... Was, what was it yeah. like coming back to write the Etruscan Princess after all that time? Was it like coming home a little bit? How was that? Actually, it was a very joyous. That's a very joyous book. There is a lot of yeah. joy in it, and um, um, a lot of uh, love for beauty and all that. So it was beautiful actually to do it, and uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was and it great. Set, it was really liberating. And, and I, it's I set in the Italy. First one is, it's in Italy, totally. Yes, and that's uh, yeah. And it was it was a celebration of the beauty of Italy, but also some aspects of life there that made me more complicated and right. difficult. And um, 
but anyway, I, I'm proud of it. I, I, I like writing it. I, I like reading it, rereading it, editing it, you know, sort of work that gave me a lot of joy. So. That's, well, that's the, that's that is a good thing. That is a good thing. If, if it yeah. doesn't bring the writer joy, I don't know how it's going to bring the reader joy. Uh, so that's a good yeah. place to start. Right. It's, so um, do you, it's a mystery. Were you a fan of mysteries yourself prior to starting to write these books? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was- um, yes. I was definitely a fan of mystery. I read extensively. I particularly enjoyed uh, Ruth Rendell, who died a few years ago, and mm-hmm. I liked very much the Italian uh, mystery writer Camilleri. Um, and I think that my writing resembles his, not in style, but in some uh, recurrent themes um, more than any other. In fact, an Italian literary critic who read the Tuscan Princess said, oh, here we go with a new Camilleri. (laughs) (laughs) Because I deal with social, social criticism and I use the the template of the, the, you know, the detective story to do that because the detective, let's face it, in order to understand how that crime happened and who did it, uh, right. needs to understand the environment. Otherwise, how That's do you right. do that? And right. and that happens both in the first book and in the second book, the question of that. And there is always also another theme, the theme of David and Goliath theme, you know, that oh, the, yeah. the small person in the system, the establishment, be ah. it the, the, the mafia or the, <laughs> or yeah. the uh, academic world, you know, the, in its uh, right. injustice. Yeah, so there is that. There is that element that recurs. I, I was just looking, what is the recurrent theme of the series? And even the third one I'm working on is, oh, this, 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 this David and Goliath theme. I see. So that's oh, a trope. <laughs> yeah, it is a trope. But, yeah. Maria, you probably felt a little like a David yourself, maybe, in your, yeah. in oh, your yeah. life, struggling against the mm-hmm. Goliath of the system. So you know what that is. This is why I think fiction mm-hmm. is so interesting. You take an experience... Sometimes it's as, it's, a, it's as direct, but like you take this experience you have and you translate it into a detective story, but it's still based in certain ways on your own experience, in certain ways. And I think that's just fascinating yeah. how you can translate that to, you know, a detective over in, in Italy. I think it's just great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you can draw upon, sort of like as an actor draws upon it. And so, and so um, what, so, you, you know, it, it is different, like you said, uh, than academic writing. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it besides all the right brain stuff. There's the plotting and the characters and so on. What and and you had studied literature, but studying literature and writing it for yes. a different thing. So what was the yes. hardest part for you to get when you started writing fiction? What was the part that was most mysterious to you and most troublesome? You know, once I get into it, it is not troublesome for me. It comes mm-hmm. pretty naturally. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't necessarily come every day, but it comes. <laughs> it comes in, and I sit down and says, "Let's see what that, what's going to happen today." And then uh-huh. I, I have this curiosity of what's going to happen today. Then I get into it and then let it flow. Oh, yeah. And then, see. of course, the difficult part. Let me tell you, it is to publish and to market. That's right. Difficult. Yeah, that you find difficult. You find the, oh, yeah. the sort of the, the whole business of it. Well, it's a very different approach. I just taught a class yesterday 
uh, something I write about and teach about is fearless marketing is learning how to use your essentially your right brain, I guess you could say, to market and publish your work that that it doesn't have to necessarily be that different. But for many reasons, it feels different, but it isn't always that way. Uh, It doesn't have to be that way. I do think that our our um, that life is inherently creative every bit of it. And if we can learn to use what we teach ourselves while writing about how to be deliberately creative, you can apply it to anything, even to marketing. So there, I I won't teach the class here and now, but if you can learn to use your, your writer's imagination and, and, and here I will, I'll I'll give you a little bit. Uh, If you can, you know how you said you sat down and said, got curious, like what's going to happen today. That's great. Mm -hmm. That is the best way to write. It is. And if you can get curious and say, I wonder how we're going to market this. How is the best way for Maria Moroti to market her books and get curious in that same way, then gradually the answers will come to you the way the book came to you. That's really how it works, Maria. I'm telling you, it's how it works. What do you think of that? Well, that's helpful. I'll try. <laughs> Give it a try. To me. Yeah. Try I need to, to try. try. Yeah, try to try to enjoy it. Try to get curious about it. I I understand it seems odious and strange, and it's not something you know. Marketing isn't something writers or academics are born to do necessarily, but it doesn't have to be so different. Um, all right. So, but when you sit down to write, see, I do love this. Listen, read, listeners, hear that? She just what's going to happen today? For some writers, you know, Maria, that question of what's going to happen today—that's what scares them. You see, the fact that they don't know what's going to happen. That freaks them out. What do you think of that? What would you say to someone who gets who's scared of the fact that they don't know what's going to happen that day? Something has got to give <laughs> at some <laughs> point. I mean, if you're right, you, you must enjoy it. Otherwise, yeah. why are you doing it? There are yeah. better ways to make money, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> what? I wouldn't say they're more enjoyable, but, it, but right. there are better ways in terms of yeah. better investments. Um, yeah. But, you know... Uh, there is something inside what really matters to you you know that's what it is and, and yeah. uh, once you create the character the character in a sense starts talking to you I mean yes. I, yeah they, they, they talk to you and, and you can see them and you can, you can kind of uh, uh, listen to what they have to say what's their obsession what's their goal in life you know they, they'll tell you you know, so there yes, is that, that part of you that, that you know, that maybe is a male. Like in my case, my the main detective is a male. The, the female is a sleuth who has a love interest with him. So, okay, that, so you insert some romance in there to yeah. develop the personality more because obviously without that, you know, it's right. a little difficult. But, but you know, it, it is, you know, it's more, the more intimate part of the character comes through yeah. through the romance. Um, do, so, do you enjoy yeah. writing a man from a man's point of view? You know, I do. I never thought I would. Yeah. But I, I you wrote do. feminist Maybe literature. You're a, sort of a feminist yeah. scholar of, uh, for a while. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So now you're writing for a man. What do you think about that? Well, it's not that being a feminist, I hate men or something. No, I, I, oh, no, 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 I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. I'm just curious now that you, that you chose a male, a, a male protagonist. Mm-hmm. Well, 
not everybody, but lots of characters were female in my book. Yeah. So there is both. But yes, right. the main, the predominant point of view is one of the detectives. The detective is a male. And right. he's not always right. He needs <laughs> to hear also from other sources right. um, before he, he can really grasp it. And he, he, he tries to rationalize things more than he should. And that creates right. problems. Right. And... Um, yeah, so I mean, I and I know, man, I was married to one. I mean, right, relationship right. with another, and but you know, I had my yep. share of dates, and and I had two brothers and a father and cousins, yeah. you know. So of course, I, I you know, you cannot live in this world without knowing the other yep. <laughs> gender or whatever, you know. It, it, even if you um, transgender or gay, you still need to know the other because. We are all there, you know. Yeah. So it's it's, it's yeah. So I agree. It's, it's, I I actually agree. I think that within all of us is everything, you know, that you can find. Yeah. You can find all people within yourself. I totally agree. Um. So all right. So you're hard at work on book number three. Uh. Mm-hmm. Are you enjoying? Are you enjoying it? Are you having fun writing it? So far, so good. Yeah. Um, I'm not all the way in, but uh, what I, but you know, again, we we went through almost two years now of tremendous situation, yeah. uh, really difficult yeah. and painful, yeah. uh, and so I needed to talk a little bit about that. It, it's not the the main thing, but it is a theme in there that pops up, and uh-huh. uh, so I think we all. We all have changed, you know, for the better, maybe. But we have yeah. all changed. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see, won't it, um, how literature and stories change, if at all, because of this worldwide thing everyone has been through. I mean, when was the last time, like, everybody went through something? That, it must have been, like, World War Two, maybe? I mean, it's been a while since mm-hmm. the whole world has experienced something like this. I can't imagine it won't affect how stories are told. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. My mother used to tell me all the bombings and, you know, that she had every night to yeah. <laughs> grab my brothers and, and go to the refuge where, the, you know, hopefully the bombs wouldn't uh, fall. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I always thought, my God, this is such a horrible story that <laughs> she's telling yeah. me. And, yeah. and but now I see. I mean, even we had no bombs, but and certainly yeah. we're now living in Syria or horrible yep. place like that. But um, that even just going out, often you think, okay, so I'm going to the market to buy food for the for this week. But yep. let me not forget the the mask and yeah. keep distance. Even though I'm vaccinated, doesn't mean anything. Right, right. Bring yeah. it home, you know. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, let me ask you this. I have two more questions for you. If now that you've written some fiction, do you think if you if you went back in time, having knowing what you do now, what you've learned about stories from having written them, would you have taught or written about literature different in your academic life, having had this experience? Or do you think it wouldn't have changed it? Oh no, it would have changed absolutely. Yeah, I agree. How? Yeah. How so? Well, I would have looked at different aspects um, yeah. and uh, the creativity of the writer. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty hard to. Yeah. All but right. But you well, know, 
the, yeah. yeah, the Go Mark ahead. Twain thing also taught me that because Mark Twain, when he wrote the posthumously published stuff, he was going through a crisis as a writer. He didn't wow. know what to yeah. write about anymore. He became obsessive about the same story. He yes. tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it. And it was just really interesting to see how that worked. So that yeah. was the first time that I really got interested in this kind of um, oh, what really okay. goes to the mind of a good writer, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Well, okay. So, Maria, before I ask you my last question, if people are interested in you or your work, where should they go? How should they learn more about you or to buy your books or what have you? What, to buy my books? They can go oh, yeah, to or just to learn about house. you. Yeah. Uh, to learn about me, I have a website, of course, with some blogs. Yeah. And, and I, I don't blog as much as I should, but but I will go back to that now that I've finished with and marketing. Is that, and is it just yeah. com. Maria Marotti author, Maria Marotti yeah. and dash uh, author.com. Yeah. That's Got it. Okay. Easy to find. All right, Maria. So my last question for you is this. I want you to finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Uh, it taught me how to live. <laughs> uh, that's the first thing that came up. Oh, uh, that's yeah. good. Hey, it's true. It does teach you how to live. I totally agree. And so you see, you can use that writing to teach you how to market because marketing is living too. Maria, thank you so much. (laughs) This was fabulous. Thanks for coming on the show. Good luck with the books and the next one. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. All right. Get better. Get better. Yes, I will. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. Oh, it teaches how to live. It's true. It's true, people. Life is creative. It is. Every moment of it. And when we write, we learn how to be creative on purpose, to be the authors of our lives. Yes, indeed. That's what it's about. Okay. Hey, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Next week's is going to be pre-recorded. Fascinating interview coming up. But until then, you know, go out there, find something you love to do, and do it. <laughs>